In this episode, we're going to live fast, snack well, and have a beautiful night's sleep. Mm, I don't think that's right. I think no? it's jerk off, feel guilty, and sleep in a single bed. Got it. No, it's definitely that. that. It's definitely walk backwards, run forwards, and wear your undies on the outside. That's it. Got it. Got it. Got it. How did I get how did I screw I don't that know up? what I was thinking. You just felt real personal. Music! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the New World Pictures Podcast, where we take an oral journey. <laughs> wow! <laughs> as soon as I said it, as soon as I said it, I was like, that's not right. That's not right. No, no. but go <laughs> with that. Be. Go with it that. should be. That no, you not. need, you need, oh. I need you to, com- oh. I, oh. I, I need that. you to complete Man. that sentence. Yeah, no. I personally want to go on an oral journey. An oral journey. <laughs> Through the cinematic history of New World Pictures. That's what I was going to say. Okay, all right. It's so, though, it does not sound right. Yes, we are going to watch every movie released by New World Pictures. Thank you for joining us on this. My We're not Ryan. usually this fancy oral <laughs> journey. <laughs> I wanted to mix up the intro, and it did not work. No, out. It really backfired don't, on me. Don't do it. Stick to your strengths. Stick to your strengths. Um, we, uh, I'm Ryan. With me, as always, is Mark. And this movie never took me beyond the stars. <laughs> we just took us into the stars. You know, it really did. Uh, Erica. Oh, hello, dear listener. Thank you for joining us audibly as we communicate and conversate on our podcast. D8. <laughs> we should have you do the intros. I don't know why I've been doing them. Um, that's right. We are going to go through yet another movie of New World history. And this is a... This is a... I can hear the dog. That's going to happen. I, yeah, yeah, this, she's taking an oral history of her vagina right now. <laughs> she's got a subcast. She's got a subcast of this cast. It's a different journey, but yeah. she's covering That'll it. That'll be on the crotch. <laughs> she's covering it thoroughly. <laughs> Oh my gosh, now we're taking you through a classic of New World history. Last time we did Curfew, which was a uh, very sort of rare VHS oddity. This time we are tackling a classic of New World. We're talking 1980s Battle Beyond the Stars. Ruthless invaders, a defenseless planet. Battle beyond the stars. A lone youth escapes on a last-ditch mission 
that begins at the edge of the universe. Of Earth. Do you like it? There's no dog in this. Mm -mm. Soybean meal, niacin, dextrose, and sodium nitrate flavoring. That's what we call meat back home. Battle Beyond the Stars. Starring Richard Thomas, George Papard. Robert Vaughn, John Saxon, <laughs> a battle beyond time, beyond space, nice fire. that ends in a desperate gamble. They'll be able to board us. It won't make any difference. Get that hatch open! Battle Beyond the Stars. The powers that be at New World really loved that hot dog joke. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yep. Battle Beyond the Stars, of course, brought to you by Scotch Whiskey and Hot Dogs. Uh, <laughs> couldn't be anything else. Um, <laughs> and this is uh, this one is directed by Jimmy Murakami, who also directed When the Wind Blows, which New World Video released in Canada. So we'll also be discussing that at some point. Murakami had worked primarily as an animator, but had worked with Corman in a variety of jobs on uh, his 1971 war film Von Richthofen and Brown. And I guess he did uncredited work on Humanoids from the Deep. I can't. Yeah, I read that too. I just can't find confirmation of that, but I read never it will. because I know James <laughs> Bartolotti did the second unit that they added. I don't know if he came in right after Barbara Peters left and then they, I don't know. I'm not sure how that all worked out. In any case, after this, he went back to animation and moved to Ireland for, I believe, the rest of his life until he passed away in 2014. And this is written by John Sayles, the last of three scripts that he wrote for New World. Uh, he also wrote The Lady in Red and Piranha. Mm. Mm. But this is the first time that we're discussing a John Sayles script. Um, he was handed a treatment that was originally written by Ann Dyer, who worked at New World. Roger Corman asked her to write a story that was basically The Magnificent Seven in Space. Because apparently he had wanted to do Magnificent Seven uh, in Space for years. Mm. And thought, finally, after seeing Star Wars... The time was right. The time was right. Or conversely... Star Wars came out and he saw it and thought, hey, what if we did Mag Magnificent Seven in space now that Star Wars is a hit? I don't know. You be the judge. Um, as Magnificent Seven was a remake of Seven Samurai, I guess that's where they got the idea for a giant spaceship with a laser weapon strong enough to destroy planets that can only be destroyed by a small target. 
Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> Correct. <That's> where, yep. <laughs> Kurosawa, you genius. <laughs> <laughs> this stars Richard Thomas as the iconically named Shad. 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 Yep. Shad. Oh, Everybody's Shad. favorite space adventurer, Man, like Shad. Fourteen kids in 1980 were like, "It's like me, Shad." <laughs> <laughs> like twelve thousand kids named Chad were like, "Lame." <laughs> um, anyway, he was, of course, from the Waltons, which it kind of just ended. So he was kind of starting his career out after the Waltons, mm-hmm. trying to get into movies. He'd been September. A movie called September 30th, 1955, but generally was kind of just seeing what life was like post the Waltons. And so I think that's how they were able to get him for Battle Beyond the Stars, which I think is was great casting. This yeah. also stars uh, Darlene Flugel, and this is one mm-hmm. of her first roles. And she's playing Nanalia, and she was uh, in To Live and Die in L.A. But I remember her most as playing Billy Crystal's ex-wife in Running Scared. Mm-hmm. Oh. Uh, yes, you do. I, yeah, that's where I remember her the yeah. most. I never thought, honestly, I didn't remember she had been in anything else until this movie. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I kind of liked it that way because <laughs> she was Billy Crystal's ex-wife always in my mind. Right, always. We're going to get to the rest of the cast later because there's a whole lot of people in this movie. So as we go so through, many people. we'll talk about the other uh, rest of the cast. Here's where you can watch Battle Beyond the Stars. There's a Shout Factory disc, which is what I think all of us watched. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. The Blu-ray. Yep. Um, but it's also on Tubi, and it's on Shout TV, and it's also on Peacock. So if you oh. have any of those services, you can watch it on that. And, of course, you can watch it on Tubi anytime you'd like. Before we go any further, though, we got to find out what this movie is about. Mark, what's this about? Um, this movie is really a must-see for anyone that's in charge of recruiting or hiring. Um, look, the, the hiring markets become incredibly competitive. Um, you need to look beyond your, your local hiring market and, or planet, uh, to find the right talent. And it's hard to find the right talent. And, um, you know, putting together the right team, um, takes kind of a keen eye for, uh, personality types, Mm -hmm. for leadership Mm -hmm. skills, Mm -hmm. or maybe just kind of someone that's going to bring a different point of view to the group. And I think this movie really demonstrates that. We'll get into it as we get into this, but I really feel like what they created in Battle Beyond the Stars is Battle Beyond the Stars LLC, mm. a well-formed uh, digital agency. And they have all the players are perfectly cast into their equivalent roles at Battle Beyond the Stars LLC. <laughs> You really did a good job. You really found some good people for good parts. Erica, Mm -hmm. what is this movie about? Oh, my gosh. To me, my big takeaways were um, when you're in space, you can wear anything you want. Mm -hmm. You Mm -hmm. can wear a sliced up outfit. You can be a cowboy. You can wear a robe. You can wear Mm -hmm. shirt and pants. Anything goes. Yeah. Anything Anything goes. All bets are off in space, Mm -hmm. according to wardrobes. When it comes to wardrobes. When it comes to wardrobes. If you're wearing an outfit that seemingly is pulling your breasts in different directions, Mm -hmm. it still remains comfortable because it's space. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It actually makes you a better warrior. Makes you better. You're right. A lot of people don't know that, Mm -hmm. but now now we do. Thank you, Battle Beyond the Stars. It was a training teaching moment. I thought um, this movie was the inspiration for Alexa. 
<laughs> I mean, because you got to think that Bezos saw this movie because he's already yeah. been in space. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he loves a little tiny circular thing talking to him. Yeah. You know, that's true. He fancies himself a shad. Shad Bezos. Growing up, he's like, my name's just Jeff. But then, like when he pretended or when he was like doing yeah. pretend play, he was he was shad, like, my name is Chef. The Star Warrior. <laughs> I, I mean, my name is Sheffrey. Please call me Sheffrey, everyone. <laughs> oh my god! He tried so hard to, to trademark so hard. Nell, but that couldn't. It just couldn't. He couldn't get that one to fly. So Alexa was the next on yeah. the list. Yeah, exactly. He tried to. Yeah, that's a tough one. It's too. also just like Alexa. You can really scream at and be like, Alexa, no, Alexa, wrong song. But like now, wrong song. Now, 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 just doesn't. It yeah, doesn't. and I think they were trying to talk him out of how much personality he wanted to put in Alexa, and they yeah. kept mm-hmm. talking him out of it. And he was yeah. like, "No, no, no, she's got to be, she's got to be sassy. Mm-hmm. She deserves to be sassy." Alexa listens, Nell. When you're like, "Nell, wrong song," she would say, "No, you're gonna listen to this one." She's like, yeah, <laughs> like, trust me, damn it, on Nell. <laughs> I mean, like, get over yourself. This is a good one. You know what I mean? <laughs> I'm playing it. Steaming. <laughs> Nell, always a big fan of Steven, Nell. though. Always a big fan. Nell's like, I can't get enough of snow. I'm going to keep playing him. Um, uh, informer, here we go again. Licky boom boom down. Here we go. <laughs> oh, shit. Another day in space. Oh shit! Good okay. old um, <laughs> Here's a letterbox synopsis, and I actually think this is probably the best one we have uh, ever read in one of our episodes. By the way, we're on Letterbox. Find us there and follow us if you can. A young farmer assembles a band of diverse mercenaries to f- to defend his peaceful planet from an evil tyrant. That's how you do a letterbox. Yeah. I didn't realize he was a farmer. I guess. Yeah, they're just I, a peace- you know. they're a peaceful farming colony. I just thought um, he was the intern at the agency that was yeah. put in charge right. of right. doing Inter- recruiting. Intergalactic hiring. Yeah, 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 that's, yeah. How, that's what I thought it was. But okay, sure. Yeah, he was he was definitely an intern. Oh, 100%. Yeah. I mean, Nell's the CEO because she's running the show the whole time. Yeah. Sure. And, you know, and she's helping bring him up. He's learning the ropes of this agency and what it's mm-hmm. going to be like. It's, you know, it's not something you learn overnight. And she's, I think she's giving a lot of her personal time, a lot more than a typical CEO would. So I, I give her a lot of credit there. And they instantly don't trust him because he's young. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. That tracks. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. They're yeah. like, he's just a boy. I'm like, he's, he's not, he's a grown man. He's a grown like, man. He's not a boy. He's a grown I'm man. sorry. I know that he was just on a show where he played John boy, but that's, he's not a boy. That may have been a, a typecast that he had a hard time getting away from. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm sure it was. <laughs> Uh, okay, so as we start out, by the way, just so you know, there may be there's going to be spoilers, so just be prepared for that. So oh, yeah. If that's not something that you're into, is just... There, is there anything you can spoil with this movie? I don't think so, but I just want people to know, like, if you haven't seen it, I mean, you know, there's going to be spoilers. I don't think that, you know, so just, it's yeah. up to you. It's up to you what you want to do with that information. Um, but as this movie begins, it's fascinating to think that only one Star Wars movie in, it was already standard 
to have a movie open with a long tracking shot underneath a spaceship. Like already yeah. we had set that as precedent. Yeah. That was already, that was locked in by nineteen. I think they also did that in Buck Rogers too. And Alien had also done it. Right. But I guess that's all post 1977. So yeah, you're right. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Like that, they just, Star Wars did a te- did that and everyone went, that's a great idea. Yeah. Let's all start with that. I mean. It's funny. It's funny that we didn't do the same thing with like cars. Just a slow tracking shot under a car to establish that you're watching Cannonball Run. (laughs) When you remake it. Right. Yeah. Right. When I remake it. That's how I want you to remake it. And it's a long shot of underneath a car and then just up David's, (laughs) David Carradine's pant leg and then, and then back down. (laughs) Up to his nutsack. Yep. (laughs) Which you can clearly see in those tight pants. Anyway, listen to our Cannonball episode to know what we're talking about. Um, and, and as we start out, we meet Sador immediately. John Saxon from New World's Moonshine County Express and the Bees. Oh. Mm-hmm. So we have plenty mm-hmm. more of John Saxon to enjoy in this podcast. And his green-tinted ship, and it really shows the massiveness of the Lumberyard studio. If you, if you see the inside of that ship, this was the first movie shot in Roger Corman's Lumberyard studio that he purchased to make a movie like this, to make a sci-fi movie that, that rips off Star Wars. So the ship, the interior of that ship is literally all four walls, the ceiling and the side walls of the, uh, of the lumberyard stage one. So that's about as big as it gets in that, in that studio that they shot this entire movie. And it feels massive. <laughs> Just so massive. And they use their awesome power to take out a weather ship. Good luck getting those weather reports now, farmers. <laughs> no weather reports for you. You're screwed. Wait, what about the clouds? Are we going to know how they form? No, I am evil. I am Sador. Oh, man. Um, Sador picks Akir to conquer. So he goes near the planet. He projects just his head and he lets them know his mission. Mm-hmm. Like the Wizard of Oz. Over a cure. Yes, exactly. Hear me, beings of Akir. I am Sador of the Malnori. I have come with my forces to conquer you. If you resist, I will crush you. I possess a stellar converter, the most powerful weapon in the universe. You cannot resist me. I want your planet to be my colony. Your harvest comes in seven risings of your red giant. I will return then, and you will accept me as your master. If you do not submit, your planet and all life on it will be burned to ash. Maybe just a suggestion. Oh, okay. If oh. you're going to take over for the podcast, a, for a personal, my everybody this, for everybody. Okay. Oh, okay. listeners, oh, listeners, uh, gather around. Like Ryan, ga- gather around. The, <laughs> gather around the years. old internet connected radio. I've got a suggestion <laughs> for you. <laughs> if you're going to take over a planet, okay. Yeah. Maybe don't say I'm going to take you over mm-hmm. seven days from today. Right. That's right. I, oh. I have errands I got to do. Uh, there's I, there's a thing I got. I got a meeting. But 
in seven days, I'll be back. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Because no matter how much your planet is full of pacifists who'd never harm anybody, right. it is going to get some people thinking maybe it's time to rally a, a defense. And what's amazing is later on, they kind of go, oh, I think somebody is like working with the people of Akira. And he's like, what? I, yeah. yeah. It's like, take right? me on? No <laughs> one would be that Come dumb. On. No one. Yeah. And it's like, well, you like, did Well, you did say, give them seven yeah. days. You were like, I'll be back in seven days. You better bow to me then. Like, why not do it now? Why not now? You're already there. Save on gas. You just killed a couple people already yeah. just to right. show your force. And now you're like... The- Peace out. I'll see you in seven. I got things to do. They're already stressing about not getting that weather report. And now you're mm-hmm. going to leave them? I, mm-hmm. it's, I'm yeah. just saying, yeah. not the best tactic. Also, right. like, seriously, though, like, he, he, I'm going to take over your planet in seven days. But if you guys don't bow to me, I'm going to destroy your whole planet that I want to conquer to ash. I'm going to call your bluff on that one, dude. You want to take over my planet, but... If we don't like immediately bow to you in seven days, you have seven mm-hmm. days to work it out. I don't know. Seven days to just party your ass off and enjoy yeah. the enjoy, right. Right. enjoy your good times. Right. And then I'm gonna come in. And if not, and the- I'll destroy the planet that I want to like live on. Like, I don't yeah. know, dude. I'm gonna call I'm gonna call your bluff on that one. I don't right. think you're gonna destroy this planet. You yeah. kind of want to be on this planet. Didn't you just say that? You already said that. Right, but Which one is it, my man? Uh, yeah, like, oh, oh, you show up in seven days, and we're like, fuck you, Sador, and you're like, I destroyed your planet, ha ha, now I'm gonna live on it. We're like, wait, why? Why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense, dude. Yeah. Also, I gotta say, I gotta give it up to John Saxon, because I think he is probably the biggest badass I've ever seen with a comb over. Oh, dude. <laughs> I mean. Dude, yeah. That doesn't, that's rare. Yeah. yeah, you can't normally. Normally, if you have a comb over, you can't even try to pull mm-hmm. that shit off. No, but no, no, no. God damn, does he do it time and time again? Mm-hmm. And in this case, he's also, you know, I think part of the reason why he wants to take over this planet is he doesn't like kind of the the threat that he's getting from Shad because mm-hmm. you know Shad's got a birthmark on his face. Sador's mm-hmm. got a bigger birthmark, and he's like, yeah. uh, uh-uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh-uh. uh. Mm-hmm. This, 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 these stars, there's only room for one person with a giant birthmark on their face. So that'll be on the birthmarks. Subtitle. That was the original title. Yeah, that'll be on the birthmarks. <laughs> that would have made more sense. They, tested they do that go at, beyond the birthmarks. They do. But they, they really don't go, go beyond, beyond the stars. <laughs> That's true. That's they, fair. they tested that one at Burbank High Schools and it didn't test as well. <laughs> yeah. Speaking uh, of Shad, he flies in that um Shad that never oh, tire yeah. of it. Never tire. Shad, <laughs> you will be our savior. Shad. He flies he flies in the ovary ball sack spaceship. Yep, that we talked about <laughs> in Space Raiders. <laughs> yep. Which um James Cameron designed to mm. look like the chest of a lady. It doesn't. What how does how does that work? <laughs> he yeah. barely did, you know. He thought I'm making a lady ship, and everybody was like, you're right. But he didn't realize he was making a scrote ship. <laughs> Do you think everybody was like, you're right? <laughs> yeah. Was like, yeah, no, bro. Yeah, it really looks like titties. And then yeah. he made it, and they were like, yeah, dude, you clearly seen a ton of titties. <laughs> you know just what they look like. <laughs> 
You know, by titties, the way, how uh, they hang and <laughs> hang side by side and just <laughs> flop around. There's all that loose skin just jangling them. Yeah, you've seen titties tons of times. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it is very much uh, the you nailed it. You nailed it. ball sack uh, combo. Oh, God. Um, and, and by the way, the ship was originally, the ship's voice, which we talked about as Nell, the ship's voice was originally actually called Mother. And it, what's funny was in the, uh, but that's, that's, uh, an that's, alien. That's an that's alien. Call yeah. it an alien. Still so, ew. I can still ew it. So it's they, an alien. Yeah. Mother. <laughs> Mama. Uh, uh, so it is changed in the movie. But what's funny is that in the commentary, Corman keeps calling the ships, keeps calling no mother. And I was like, oh no, is this a sign that Roger's kind of losing it a bit? And then I realized <laughs> that no, that was the original name. And John Sales never says a word about it, which I guess is from the fact that he wrote the script and he wrote mother. And maybe he's. Right. Hasn't seen this movie in a long time. Doesn't he? May he may have never seen it until that moment. Uh, and and Nell's voice, by the way, is supplied by Lynn Carlin, who was nominated for Academy Academy Award for 1963's Faces, and she was uh, the ex-wife of Battle Beyond the Stars producer Ed Carlin. Well, she's not Billy mm. Crystal's ex-wife. Not Billy <laughs> Crystal. Well, I mean, probably at this. Not at this point. Okay. Not at this. Not in 1980, but later. <laughs> right. Not, right. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of nepotism out there at New World Pictures at the time, you know. Yeah, just yeah. Everybody, it's all who you know, and by mm-hmm. who you know, it's who you go home to. Mm-hmm. And can you do more than one job? On this? Yes. yes. Can you do a couple jobs? Can you do a few different things? Yeah. <laughs> no, absolutely. By the way, also when we were on the planet before uh, Shad takes off to go look around for everybody. We had Zed the Corsair. He's the old blind man that, frankly, everyone is sick of. Let's just be honest. Yeah. Nobody likes that dude, apparently. He's uh, been holding them back for so long. But we, They're like, listen, know, it's time to go. That is played by Jeff Corey. He was like um, an actor who had been blacklisted for a time. And so he started becoming a acting coach or an acting teacher. And he was infamous then as an acting coach. And in fact, he was uh, the guy who taught the class. That Roger Corman said, oh, I should take an acting class so I could be a better director. And in that class, that's the class that he met Jack Nicholson, amongst other people. Hmm. So Corman was very happy to give him a, a nice little juicy role of a blind man that everyone hates. <laughs> but he does get that one good ass. He does get to whoop some ass. He gets, like, yeah, right he at gets the end. one moment to be like, one yeah! moment to shine. Yeah. yeah, all that training for the troops, and they just let the blind guy do whatever the hell he wants. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, make sure everybody, make sure everyone's trained on how to use a weapon, how to shoot a gun, how to line up to attack in groups. And where's Zed? I don't know. Fuck it. Just let him run into the crowd with a staff and get That's shot immediately. They were like, oh, we don't want to train that dude. Yeah. Fuck that well, they guy. only they only had seven days, right? That's right. So that's right. you know, and they, they spent the first gonna... six days teaching an acting class, <laughs> and, and on day fucking... seven he died. And they... <laughs> they spent they spent the first six days tripping balls on yeah, mushrooms, just raving, listening to, to listen to snow, and then on the seventh day <laughs> they got their shit together. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> His death. Can we just spoiler? Fire stop top. Fire stop top. He literally runs into. <laughs> Just an, uh, he just runs into an onslaught of troops and immediately gets shot because of course he does because he can't even see that they have guns. He's so he's blind. 
He was the great one. Yeah, he was the last when? of the great ones. When? The last of the great ones. When was he great? Which is know. like another sign why everyone's sick of that dude. Because he probably says that way more than... Oh. You know, he's Nelda. all the time like, "Hey, you guys know the you guys are the great Remember ones." Remember the great ones? I was one of them. <laughs> I'm the last of them. of them. Yeah, we know Zed. Yeah. Jesus, yeah. Put some pants on. He's I good. just imagine he has no he's pants. A, he's he's because he's he, blind. He doesn't know if his pants. He's on basically off. like. Well, I think I think you still know if you have pants on if you're blind. <laughs> I think you don't lose the sensation of pants around your legs. <laughs> like you can still feel things. <laughs> I mean, I've never, I'm not blind, but I'm pretty sure you can still feel. <laughs> I pretty much gave up on pants a long time ago. So, <laughs> Ryan, can you see me? Can you see me? <laughs> uh, that's, that's fair. That's so, fair. I was just going to say, I think Zed is basically Ringo once Paul McCartney dies. And he's like, oh. hey, you guys remember the Beatles? He's like, hey, good eye. Um, <laughs> good day? <laughs> <laughs> was it Ringo Australia? <laughs> yep. Yep. The, the world's <laughs> most famous rock band. <laughs> and you think Ringo is Australian? <laughs> uh, okay, sure. Okay. Yep. <laughs> Where are the rest of them from? England. England. Yeah. Yeah. But not Ringo. Not Ringo. Ringo. He's from okay. down under. <laughs> okay. Okay. Oh, okay. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. Yep. The old octopus's garden down in Australia. <laughs> sure. Okay. So Shad's on this mission to bring a bunch of people Shad. back to mm-hmm. Akir. Mm-hmm. No, to hire for Battle Beyond the Stars LLC. Right, exactly. Mm-hmm. Uh, he first goes to Dr. Hephaestus. Yeah, see the names. Oh, Rolls the off names. the tongue. The I could names not keep this. up with the names. Yeah, the names are... I love John Sales, but apparently he just thought, well, you just give him crazy-ass fucking names. Yeah. They're names yeah. that like, you can read and feel like, oh, sure. Yeah, but you would, saying yeah. that shit is mm-hmm. hard as hell. And then... When you hear it, you're like, boy, that sounds like gobbledygook. I don't really know what anyone's called. Yeah. It's really, you know, yeah. I'm going to have a test later for, when we get to a, a certain ship that I don't think anybody, any of us are. It had real Game of Thrones vibes that yeah. if you've read the books, you're like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm got oh, it. Sure. But if you're watching it, you're like, well, hold on, Wait, pause who, it. Who what the hell? Who's that person's name? And they're related to what now? And yeah. what's that person's name? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I've been watching a season. I have no idea. Correct. Who some of these people are, what they're Correct. called. Anyway, Dr. Hephaestus, I guess is how you say it, um, is uh, who's played by Sam Jaffe in one of his final roles. He was in Ben-Hur in the Asphalt Jungle in this half-body steam cabinet. Right. <laughs> Which, yes. as soon as Shad walks in, he opens up the cabinet. Mm-hmm. Is he flashing Shad? Yeah. Ooh, he's yeah. flashing. That's a flex, that's dude. A fr- that's what I thought, too. I was like, yeah. ooh, he's a flasher. Mm-hmm. That's a cyborg <laughs> flex, dude. Yeah. He's like yeah. super bummed that like Shad didn't throw beads at him. Yeah. <laughs> Take it all off. In the name of science. Right. Because Shad is still, he's still tripping because it's been five days. Right. Yeah, it's been five days. Yeah. 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 He hasn't slept in five days. I, just I don't wanna... know. I feel like Shad's the guy you just give like sugar water to because you're like, I don't know. <laughs> He's like, we I don't. feel it. I feel it. <laughs> exactly. I'm feeling this. Oh, yeah. You're feeling it, bro? Oh, cool, okay. Dude, well, cool. see you in space. Yeah, I feel crazy. <laughs> Keep recruiting. <laughs> <so> <laughs> Bye, buddy. 
<laughs> fucking narc. Get out there and recruit to recruit to save our lives. <laughs> Asshole. How's everyone doing? Oh shit, Damn it's Ed. It. Oh. oh no. Is everyone having fun? You know, you remember the great ones? Yes, Zed. yes. Oh. Uh, I, th- I thought you were going to go with last. Shad. I'm one of the last. <laughs> Where are you supposed to? Shad, take Zed, please. Take Zed with you. <laughs> Nell I'm, loves him. I'm from Australia, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so this is one of the. Uh, this is a, a rare moment in cinematic history where the father flat out offers his daughter. To Shad and mm-hmm. Shad's like, uh, I can't do that. Yeah. Like, Wait, what? You've yes. been tripping balls for five days in a now- Roger Corman movie. <laughs> yeah, right. He's like, nah, not me. Nah, not yeah. me. That's not me. That's that's not that's not mm-hmm. how I roll. I'm not that guy. Yeah, not that yeah. guy. Yeah. By the way, I just wanted to say really quickly that that body of his. Of of shads like uh, no, his yes. body, yeah, he is rocking a hot body. That's all I wanted to say. Continue with your point. <laughs> I'm just saying he's rocking a hot body. Anyway, I mean, I'm not the only one. I mean, everybody saw. <laughs> I'm sorry, no, Doctor Hephaestus, his body. By the way, I just wanted to point out to Mark who opened up a new Peps. That one a fresh Peps, it's according a fresh to Robert Skotak, one of the uh, special effects guys who worked on the movie. Part of the body was a can of Pepsi that he was drinking when he was asked <gasps> no to make shit. it. And he took half of the can of Pepsi and painted it and stuck it inside of him. Uh, I was huh. trying to look and see where it was exactly, but nice. I'm, I'm just like Dr. Festivus. Look at you. <laughs> Do- Dr. Festivus. That's it. <laughs> <sighs> All right. So uh, he takes off from there, Shad does. And that's when he runs into Cowboy, or more mm-hmm. appropriately, his name is Space Cowboy. Full name, Space Cowboy. <laughs> yeah. Cowboy. Yeah. Which space is, Cowboy. Is Space his first name? Yeah. It was his whole name, Space or is Cowboy? Or Space, comma, Cowboy. So it's yeah. Cowboy Space, really. Is a Cowboy. <laughs> Cowboy's his first when name. When people call him Cowboy, they're calling him by his, by his first name. Right, right. Cowboy exactly. Space. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and and in at Battle Beyond the Stars LLC, he's had a business development. You know, he's a little old fashioned, a little mm-hmm. out of touch politically, mm-hmm. but he knows his ABCs always be closing that's all right. the time. That's, that's right. That's cowboy comma space. <laughs> S cowboy. S- no, wait. Cowboy S. S? Cow- yeah. Cowboy S. Yeah. Cowboy S. Cowboy space. C space. It seems like when he shows up that he's like on a de- on like on a total like um, death wish mission because he's just letting dudes shoot at him. But it looks like he, you know like, but then it turns out he's out of ammunition. But then he's still like his SOS lacks some enthusiasm. This is Space Cowboy SOS Mayday. Help. <laughs> Does he, he does want to be helped? He does just go, help. Like, almost like, it like he doesn't care. Like he doesn't yeah. care. Like yeah. he either doesn't buy that it, anything will happen or he just doesn't care or. No, because he has that defense shield. So I think he doesn't He doesn't care and he doesn't think they're going to get through his defense shield anyway. Because they've been okay. shooting at him for a while and the, 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 the lasers keep bouncing off. So he's just like, whatever. I really don't care about this. He's also... 
his outfit is really suspect. Like the whole costuming mm. on him, he's got mm. kind of that. He's got a big. He's got the big cowboy belt. Mm-hmm. He's got mm. the uh, chaps. But yep. he's got like oven mitt chaps on. He's got yeah. oven like, mitt chaps on. Yeah. Thick, like real, real <laughs> yeah. steamy in there. Yeah. And, oh yeah. Yeah. But then he's got like a Huckleberry Finn kind of hat on mm-hmm. and yep. hair mm-hmm. that looks less like. Uh, less like the A-Team and more like Rocky from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Mm. Like, I, I'm not mm, really okay. sure what's going yeah. on with that hair. Yeah. yeah. It feels like, was that his choice to have it cut that way? Or was that was that the costuming at, at New World that picked that one? Mm. That is a good question, and I do not know. By the way, he, uh, Papart at this time, was in a real TV movie and then an exploitation film rhythm at this time, where you were just going in between back and forth like he's doing a cbs airport disaster movie and then he does an umberto lenzi film so oh wow a couple different like he's doing a couple different ones though he had just made he just made his directorial debut with 1979's five days from home which he also starred in and produced himself he paid (laughs) for it himself wow and he sold it to universal and he's very proud of it so good for him but his character left me with lots of questions. I know he says he watches old movies, but like at this point in time, which we don't know what exact year it is, but very old movies at this point, correct? Like he's holding a torch for, for like old westerns. Well, but but an old western to him for him is like what? Unforgiven? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> to your point about it, he's wearing the hat. He's got like he's yeah. really going as far as he can to mm-hmm. dress like somebody from the 1800s. But I feel right. like he, he. I mean, I think but at he's this like, point in time, like two, with, he's got like Tombstone, <laughs> Unforgiven, right? right. Um, Off camera, he was like, "I'll be your Huckleberry. <laughs> I'm, I'm Cowboy Space." <laughs> And I was like, we, I have no idea. Is that a quote from something? No, I'm, I'm not aware. What you're saying? No clue what that is. Uh, uh. <laughs> it's like it's an old movie. I'm just saying that's a lot of like he's digging deep. Yeah. I mean, you got to mm-hmm. think at this point. There's been a lot of movies since then. He is really holding a candle for a certain time period. What, what do you what which what format do you think those movies are on at this point? Hmm. Um, I guess you can just have them up on any screen. I mean, you can probably watch them on Tubi. <laughs> <laughs> Tubi still exists, Tubi's right? Tubi's still around, you know? Well, <laughs> Tubi beyond the Isn't stars. everything at this point Amazon Prime? Yeah. Isn't everything yeah. at this point that's all media? Yeah. yeah so, it's all media at this yeah, point. Yeah. It's yeah. all, yeah. Um, he was like one of those guys. I don't know. It's like the people that like in the mid 90s decided, you know what? I'm going hardcore into swing. I'm going that direction. And like, yeah, I know that there's... Like, a- are you, you're, you're not talking like having sex with a bunch of your friends and family. You're talking about like swing dancing, right? No, no, no. That, no. Friends and family. Mark is a... Wow. Holy shit. When Mark swings, he is oh swinging wide. Man. Wide and close. Wow. You really are closer to our sister than I realize. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, you're talking about swing dancing. Are you talking you about go. swing dancing? No, I was, I was talking about swinging. I was talking about swing- <laughs> okay. Well, then fair. I mean, obviously, okay. obviously, I'm talking sex with friends and family. Obviously, I don't want the listener. I don't want the listener to be confused. 
That's <laughs> what we're doing. That's <laughs> what we're doing. No, of course, like swing music and stuff. And there yeah. was a oh. cultural touchstone that like got people into that. But the, some people were like, no, straight up, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dress like you know, like it's in the period of swing music. Mm-hmm. And the cultural touchstone I'm talking about, of course, is swing kids. Just so everyone, oh. we're all clear. It's Obviously, not, I mean it's swing not squirrel kids. nut zippers. Because <laughs> I will go there, Ryan. I will go there. I'm ready. I'm prepared. In the afterlife. You are headed for the serious time. <laughs> I knew she could she could continue the whole song. Uh, <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> Mark, this is how well, he gets people to swing. In the mid-90s. Where were we? Zip. <laughs> oh God. He went to a swing club in the mid-90s. He's like, oh yeah. Wait, what? And then they, they all started dancing. I was like, gosh, like, oh, shit. This sucks. Oh shit. This is this is a lot When's of foreplay. It's a lot. <laughs> There's not a single beanbag oh. to be found in this joint. <laughs> but hey, look over there. This <sighs> Are those Man. titties, or is that something else? Nope, that's a spaceship. <laughs> so while while Shad is off collecting, starting to Shad. collect his his people, Nanelia is following Shad in her own ship because she Nanelia. took too long. Nanelia, yep. I like know. Mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. took space names. Mm-hmm. Shad for the dudes, Nanelia for the girls. <laughs> well, much like they constructed, much like they constructed <laughs> the ships from this by taking apart like. Uh, as as we talked to Alan Holzman, they sort of took apart a lot of the uh, the model kits and just mm-hmm. kind of started to kit bash them together to make spaceships. Yep. So too, it seems, John Sales did with just random letters and just started piecing yeah. together names, you know, with Nanelia. Yeah. I don't Nanelia. know. Nanelia, perfect. Fl- By the way, right off the tongue. Her name is Nanelia Hephaestus. Yeah. Hef- yes. Yeah. Of course oh. it is. Yikes. Of course it is. Probably should Yikes. have taken her mom's last name in that one. So. <laughs> uh, too late. It's too late. So she's following Shad in her own ship and she gets taken hostage by Cayman in, in, mm-hmm. and, and, and it gets tied up in a set that James Cameron did design. With milk crates on the floor. On the floor and ceiling. Mm-hmm. They used the milk crates to project light through. Um, we meet some other characters, though, other than Cayman. Can you name them? Yeah, the little The, Kel- he- the Kelvin. The little baldy heat makers. Yeah, the, <laughs> the Kelvin. Kelvin. Yeah. Okay, but the Kelvin have names. D- don't have a fucking clue. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay, but it's uh, not uh, just the Kelvin. There's another guy, too. There's another guy there, oh, too. Oh, yeah, the guy with the muscly guy with the ropes. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Him. What's yeah. his name? Um, Chad. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. See, I don't know. I didn't yeah. pick up anybody's now, name. Now, let me, just, let me just tell you. Urim. And Thunim. The Kelvin are a thermal creature. They communicate in degrees of heat. Thunin? Thunin. Urim and Thunim. Yeah. I mean, sure. What? And then Quapeg. And this is Quapeg, my Puna. (laughs) Is the buff guy. Quapeg! Quapeg. Quapeg. Right. Like you will <laughs> never, I will never ever no. remember that in a no. million years. Mm-hmm. I have to read it off my notes in order to know that that is the name. I've anyway. already forgotten it. Quapeg. By the way, Quapeg. Quapeg. Almost, he gets introduced, and then almost 
disappears entirely until he shows up at the end and suddenly uses his staff to spear two guys. And you're yeah. like, right. that guy! He's back! What's that guy been up to? And then disappears again. What yeah. happens yeah. to Quapeg? I have no clue. Quapeg. Well, he's... Because Quapeg, he's... I mean, he's like the office manager. Quapeg. You, He's only around mm-hmm. when you need him. When you need the supplies, Kelvin, when you need supplies, Quapeg. But then he's not in your business after that. The Kelvin, absolutely the IT department. No one knows what uh. they do. They're, they're, it's kind of weird to talk with them. They're hurting me! Uh, they're socially awkward. They're hurting me! Mm-hmm. Uh, and then... Mm-hmm. Cayman, definitely the project manager. Mm-hmm. I mean, like mm-hmm. he's organizing with IT. He's got office services. He's making sure that Nanelia's, they, they've got a plan. Behind the scenes, he's organizing this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, by the way, Cayman is played by Morgan Woodward, uh, who New World fans will recognize from Moonshine County Express. No, they well. won't, because he has a lizard face. <laughs> no, that's he played the lizard man. I'm just guessing in Moonshine County <laughs> Express. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't look like a lizard all the time, Ryan. That was makeup. What? <laughs> Wait a minute. What? He doesn't, he doesn't look like a lizard. That was all the time. makeup? That was makeup. That wasn't an actual lizard person? I thought finally they are real. I knew it all my life. Okay, next Shad. He's brought in on, the, on on tractor beams by the Nestor. We are Nestor. All of you? This is but a facet. These are but facets. There are hundreds of thousands like us at home and scattered throughout the universe. We are Nestor. You're clones. In a manner of speaking, we share identical consciousness. And these uh, white bald caps that are always coming off the sides of their heads. Right. They all share in that. (laughs) <laughs> they're also business affairs so they're making sure that all the contracts mm. are taken care of mm-hmm. and that you know that trademarks are being followed and um you know you're not accidentally running any um publicly releasing any talent where the contracts haven't been renewed it's it's an important role is my is my analogy starting to bore everybody am i no, should super, i stop now i'm just trying to think about it. everyone loves <laughs> yeah, it everybody loves to be reminded of work <laughs> by the way the main nestor is played by earl bowen who was an 18 again oh he, he was, was he was robin's dad robin's the love interest of our of our oh you're right main character you're right and then famously he went on to play the police psychologist in the terminator and in two of the subsequent sequels as well <laughs> in fact he returns up in more of the terminator movies and ne- it's second only to arnold schwarzenegger so him and Jimmy Cameron really hit it off on this yeah. one. Well, and Gail Ann Hurd is the assistant production manager, mm-hmm. and she produced Terminator and co-wrote it with Jim Cameron. So right. obviously they all got along. So um, well, until, until they didn't, and now they do not work together at all. Yeah, now they never worked. She was like, I will, if I see Earl Bowen. <laughs> no, 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 I'm talking about James Cameron. Oh, well, sure, yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, no. <laughs> but may- but maybe you're right. Yeah, and I'm wrong. Maybe Galen Hurt is. Yeah, she's like, I would work with Jim again in a heartbeat before I worked with Earl Bowen, you sleaze bag, who's probably the nicest guy. And by the way, but couldn't keep that bald cap on. So could not keep that on. He does not have a head for a bald cap. If only if only you saw what he looks like. He has the head for a bald cap. In fact, the bald cap's almost unnecessary. <laughs> right. 
<laughs> yeah, why didn't they just shave yeah. their heads and then paint them? Yeah, white? He still he does have some hair, but he's he's pretty mm-hmm. bald. Um, but and uh, he does not need to call Galen Hurt for work. He is a very busy guy. So then Shad gets to the planet that uh, used to be home to mercenaries and adventurers, a planet that perhaps, if you were so inclined, you could call Moss Eisley, mm. but it is <laughs> it is not. You could. Maybe. However, you would be inspired to call it that. I don't know how. And that's where he meets guilt. Who sent you? I'm on a mission for the people of Akir. I'm hiring mercenaries. I was told that there would be many on Nascosto. You're a little late. There's nothing left but me. And Gelt is played by Robert Vaughn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A guy uh, from Black Moon Rising. Sadly, this is the last New World movie that we will be able to talk about with him in it. Aww. He only did two. And he takes a break from playing a bad guy in a suit for this movie because that's essentially the kind of characters he was playing at the time. And what's hilarious is that I was like, Double checking because I was like, does he not appear in any other New World movies? And it's but no. But if you watch Superman three, it feels like you're watching a New World movie. Yes. So <laughs> that's the thing. He's it's with all due respect to Robert Vaughn. It wasn't as if he wasn't appearing in things that were like, no, I look, I did Battle Beyond the Stars, but I'm going to get back to some very serious dramatic roles like my role in the Delta Force or. My role in Zombie 5 Killing Birds. Or my role... What part was he in that movie? He's in like two scenes. He plays like a a doctor or something. He's barely in it. Oh, is he in the beginning? He's in the beginning part, right? I think there's like a middle scene in Killing Birds where he pops up. Oh, Uh, I don't... Yeah. I I can't... I'm too busy doing Chud 2, Bud the Chud. Mm -hmm. Which, by the Mm -hmm. way, he's super good in. So, I mean, he was doing a lot of like kind of exploitative mm-hmm. low budget fare in the 80s so it's it's a bummer that we we this is the last time we're going to be able to talk about him but in and, any and, case and for those of you uh who are still following along with the organizational structure of Battle Beyond the Stars <laughs> LLC <laughs> Gelt is the CFO uh and he's Makes very mm. he's, very he's, cold yeah. when you need to submit your expense report you got to go see Gelt yeah. so you better choose wisely yeah. Yep. So when you, who's the CFO of this podcast that you have to submit your hours to? I don't know. I keep sending them to you guys <laughs> and I never get anything back. Just so keeps I'm, getting bounced back. It just <laughs> keeps getting bounced back. I'm really confused. Uh, <laughs> by the way, uh, of course, the reason where Vaughn is in this or why it was a coup to cast him. And from what I understand, he and George Papard are like the, were the big gets and they were mm-hmm. paid probably the most money for this particular film. But of course, he is essentially reprising his role from the Magnificent Seven. He's this more or less the sort of weird sort oh. of uh, outcast guy. Uh, and by the way, when Shad goes to that planet, Shad. I love the fact <laughs> I love the fact that he goes to that computer and he sees like the different women that you mm-hmm. can I guess yeah. order and even though the place is covered in dust and cobwebs, he like flicks a switch and kind of goes, "Ooh, what pretty lady is going to be behind this? Oh, oh, you're a gross old dead lady. Oh, oh, wow. Okay, no, thank you. Like, what made you think? Also, why didn't he realize she was dead until he got to the head? <laughs> they pan up from her <laughs> yeah, feet, and she's, she's very gross. obviously dead. Yeah, exactly. On the way up. Yeah. So, uh, I also, don't know. how did he expect that any of those buttons were going to work? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the mice alone are going to eat through all that electrical. Mm. I take it back. But- 
they called him a boy earlier. He is a boy because he's just like, beep, boop, 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 touch all the buttons. They all light up. I get it now. I get it now. Yeah. I get it now. Zed, I take it back. You were right. Do you know about the great ones? Oh, I, why did I say your name, Zed? I'm sorry. Never mind. Go back to bed. I can't find my bed. I'm blind. No one will tell me where I sleep. No, Zed. <laughs> Zed, you're not wearing pants. I can't feel my legs because I'm blind. Plus, I now found this new world of swing. Put lid on it. What's that you say? Put lid on it. Oh, Zed, no way. If I change it, we don't get in trouble with the squirrel no, that's zippers. right. That's right. We do not want to get in trouble with, uh, uh, with the zips. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, okay. see, the Nestors in Business Affairs would be on you for that one. I know, so. I know. I gotta watch it. We get Gelt in line, and then finally Shad comes across St. Xman of the Valkyrie. I am St. Xman of the Valkyrie. I have counted coup upon you. It was a very enjoyable fight. Enjoyable fight? But then all fighting is enjoyable. I have heard of your battle with the Malmori. I wish to join you. I have heard of your fight against the Malmori? Yeah. Way to keep a secret, dude. Yeah. <laughs> the word is out, Shad. Good yeah. job, Dum Dum. <laughs> yeah. He's just an intern. He doesn't yeah. know. Oh, He's just a farm boy. Nobody loves him. He's just a farm boy. I have to change it a bit. That's the Australian version. That's the Australian version. No, this is the sure. Australian version. Hey, he's just a fan. No, boy. don't. Oh, oh no. <laughs> oh. Oh, God. Oh, boy. Oh, no. If you had sung that song, that song would have definitely been a hit. It's a shame. Shame Thank that you, song Mark. never went anywhere. You know what? Thank you, Mark. If you ever want to swing. Oh. Hit me up. <laughs> no, whoa. Nah. You don't understand his he interpretation. Gives a lot of good compliments. He doesn't know what that is. And yeah. Uh, I still have all uh, my Squirrel Nut Zippers albums. Uh, <laughs> thought he was into it. He does not think anyway. Sybil <laughs> Danning plays St. Eximen, and we will be talking about her later in this podcast on Reform School Girls and, and Malibu Express. <laughs> not not new nope. world, but oh, but maybe oh, can we we'll, just talk about maybe it? Maybe anyway? we'll talk about Malibu Express. <laughs> we, al- we also will be talking about their playing with fire. Mm. That's another one okay. uh, of New All World's right. second version of New World. So Shad meets Saint Eximen, and he does not want her to join the crew. And I have to think that's because he didn't see her in her full outfit. Yeah, he only saw her face and was yep. like. No, no. He, he he still would have not been. He still wouldn't have known what to do. He'd still be like, no, no, you're still annoying me. Nark. Remember, right. remember, remember, <laughs> Nana, Nanania's dad basically Nanelia. served up. I know, served up his daughter on a silver platter, <laughs> and he was like, yeah, he was like, no, I don't want that. I've I've got a mission. I've got to get back to my planet. To which they find he finally gets this this band of of whatever of of mercenaries. To mm-hmm. his planet, they land, and the first thing he's fucking pissed off because they don't give a proper welcome. Why have you been hiding? Why are you all afraid? I brought these beings to save your lives. This is not the way to greet them. That's why he's a narc. That's why he's a narc. Because he landed, and they were all like, fuck, he lived. 
We never <laughs> thought he'd be back. Right. Hide, hide. Here he comes. <laughs> also, they have been partying for five days. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. he landed and he was like, where's everybody? And they're like, motherfucker. Oh, oh shit. He's alive. Shad came back. Oh, shit. Shad. Damn. They're like, forget it. Shad's back. I'm just going to sleep. Have you guys heard of the great ones? Nope. Let's see what Chad's doing. Let's I'm go up. outside. Everyone out. I'm up. I'm up. I was up already. Uh, I was, I was already, already up. I'm already up walking outside. Uh, I'm interested in Chad. It's Chad's got the floor. Ugh. Why did we give him a key? Why did we give Zed a key? How do you even use it? I've got a key to your heart. Oh, Wink. no. Oh, no. Zed. Oh, Chad. Oh, oh, say stuff like that. It makes you, you hard to hate. Um, so once he gets the band together, you're right. They all get super pissed off. And then mm-hmm. that, which is a scene, of course, that happens in both Magnificent Seven and Seven Samurai. And then, it, but then in this version, they instantly go, welcome, hooray. Yeah. <laughs> they all celebrate. Yeah. And then Sator shows up near Akir. Right. And now we have to start talking about our plan which seems to be everyone fly and shoot at Sador's giant ship. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But we also, somewhere in the middle here too, we suddenly realized that Sadir's kind of arm in his inner vest wasn't Sador. just like Sador. 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 I am Sador of the Mount Lori. It, it wasn't, it wasn't just, it wasn't just a, a character flourish. That right. he actually has something wrong with his arm, which they've never explained. No, never. no. We're an hour and 20 minutes into yeah. this movie, yeah. and they have not explained at all what's going on with his arm. No. And now no. they're going to introduce that he has a mad scientist doctor who yeah. somehow is going to replace his arm. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And this has been a plan all along. Wait, yeah. but let's, let's, let's back up real quick, because here's what happens. Everyone flies up, and they're shooting the ship. Cayman, Shad, Gelt. But then Gelt crashes down to Akir. Mm-hmm. Shad follows eventually, goes Shad. down and follows. Because especially once he hears about Zed being killed, then he flies back down. And then I guess so also do the Nestor and St. X-Men. Yeah. We never see that, but then they're there on the ground as well. And then they've, but one of the Nestor but one Nestor is, uh, yeah. And we never, How? that's never explained. Okay. He's that's just what suddenly Did there. I miss that? No. no. Just like the arm. That whole scene, you're like, did you just splice this in from another movie? Yeah. And, and you never so see how he gets captured. They talk about the plan to get up there, have them bring down the their their shield so they can fire their massive weapon down at the planet. Then they can attack them because the shields will be down. But they go up and shoot for a bit and then just fly back down. And you're like, well, let's take a break. That was pretty great. That's pretty exciting. But let's like right. hang out for a bit, heal the wounded, get back up there. Like, right. I, so, yes. Then we get this scene with the arm, which is clearly the way we have everyone back. But it's I, I'm just like, what is <laughs> right in the what meantime is... too? He has this great weapon that he said that he can blow up the entire planet. He's already proven from the ship he can shoot lasers down at people, but right. yet instigates a land war. Why? Yeah. Why yeah. do that? Yeah. Just, just go along and hover above and shoot at the people. Not only that, but before he shot a planet earlier on. He shot at a planet and blew it up. So, like, he can do it. But that's, again, that's... He doesn't want to blow up this planet. He wants right. to live there. He wants to live there. But he doesn't need to send troops on the ground. He could just shoot from the ship. For sure. For sure. Sending so, troops is just, like... 
him so, being really cocky. Long story short, he's well, not good he at warfare. Can the ship though? Because one of the Valkyrie does fly into the ship and like blow a portion of it up. Valkyrie. Remember? And they're like, well, yeah, it's not one of the engines. And the henchman one of the is engine. like, she flies yeah. up. It's she's yeah. the only Valkyrie in the group. Valkyrie. She's one of the Valkyrie, but the only Valkyrie we meet Valkyrie is Saint Eximen, and she. It's a. I realize it can seem kind of confusing because. We've never never seen her ship do this, but her ship goes and then she flies. She flies up at the last second, and for some reason screams. I don't know why. <laughs> her people apparently love battle, so it doesn't make any sense. But and anyway, dying is like the ultimate. Is the ultimate. Like, you want to die in battle. Ultimate. Yeah, so, you want to die in battle. So I don't know, but she said goes <laughs> and, f- and then flies up, and then the bar- another part of her ship flies in. And blows up the weapon. Well, that it is... makes sense. Again, according to Mark's theory of Battle Beyond the Stars Corporation, Corp LLC, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. she would want to die at work because then her life insurance policy Correct. would mm-hmm. be mm-hmm. that much more valuable exactly. to exactly. her beneficiaries. Because... Her benefactors, yeah. But, yeah, she her died but who's going to do Now, would the Nestor be the ones that would activate that? Because Correct. They're, but they're, they're gone eventually. No, all, so like, the Nestor we... are the... Yeah, there are a lot of Nestor. The Nestor are everywhere. They talk about this. What one sees, all see. What one knows, all know. Just, I mean, they're they're all lawyers. They're everywhere. Mm. Yeah, mm. they're not gone. They're not gone. Well, yeah, the the ones that we've met are gone. Yeah, but there's right. more. The others will so come. So wait, in. who are the Kelvins in this corporate structure? The, the Kelvins the are Kel- IT. The Kelvins are IT. <laughs> Keep up. He's clearly right. not the CFO. Seriously. <laughs> um, by the way, when all this stuff is happening, and we're having this scene where where Sador is getting a new arm attached, because that's when he can really be a, a powerful evil leader. Well, what's wrong with his own arm? I don't know, but he always has it in his little sash. Yeah, he, I know, but I thought that was a little character flourish at first. I literally thought that that was. He's just like apparently. His thing. I think a thing is is like they are mutants. Now, this is something I li- by listening to the commentary and guys, John Sales explains this. Guys, we can't get too deep into it because HIPAA. <laughs> All right, okay. that's his personal Fair. medical that's, situation, that's and true. we cannot discuss. But it, right? guys, on the down low, oh shit! I heard on. some of the Malmori talking about how when somebody spoke up against him, then he took their foot. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So John okay. Sales says, that, but this this is just hearsay, by the yeah, way. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. The Malmori, John Sales and the Malmori are like mutants. Mm-hmm. Now we mm-hmm. don't get some of that mm-hmm. because, again, as as we talked to Alan Holzman about in his new book about the making of this movie, they wrote like he he wrote like a giant script, and they at, at the encouragement of Roger Corman, and so they had to cut things out. And clearly, there's a little bit of disconnect here yes. and there, also from. You know, the lack of effect shots that they were able to get. They weren't able to complete all that. And so I think we are missing some of that. And one of the key things we're missing is why does Sador need this new arm? What happened to his arm? But apparently mm-hmm. he likes to take people's appendages and add them to his body. I guess. That's nice. right. I don't know. It's, yeah. Whose Again, birthmark it's not, did he take? Right. Who did he take Yikes. that from? Yeah. And has he taken no one's hair? Nope. Not yet. <laughs> oh, we don't know. He may have taken some hair. That's why he has the comb. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. Uh, meanwhile, while all this stuff is happening, people flying back down to Kier, Sador getting a new arm, 
Cayman, I guess, is still just flying around in space. Yeah. <laughs> just doing a one-man show, shooting stuff. We don't... He has never gone back down to Akir. He is still up there flying around. I'm I'm just confused what the plan is. I just well, don't know what I, the plan again, is. Ryan, project manager. Overseeing the project, yeah. not involved with any one yep. thing, making sure everyone has what they need. Mm-hmm. He's heard, but not seen. Entering in tickets <laughs> for the rest of the team to work on. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's it's he's doing his job. Right. God, right. Ryan. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm I sorry. I have him set up for a bonus this year. <laughs> I thought he was doing great. So. All right. Well, he's only been in the role for six months. So let's see how he does when he's been in this role for a right. year, well, and then we'll take a look at oh, it. I think he was one of our best hires. Um, I I don't think that um this business is going to continue uh beyond this film. Oh. <laughs> oh no. Uh, oh. <laughs> hmm. um, do you, have you um, heard of the Great Ones? Oh no, Roger! <laughs> no, Roger! Roger no, Roger, no! Ah, Come on, Roger! Roger! Ah. Ah. You gotta Roger. work on your Roger impersonation. What do you mean? I need to work. <laughs> the, coming from Miss Australia over here, <laughs> isn't that where Roger was from? He's <laughs> <laughs> actually not. <laughs> Oh man, I, yeah, I'm confused about this end stuff. Of course, the end is supposed to be was supposed to be a different chase. There's supposed to be a chase between Sador and Shad through an asteroid yeah. field, and on the Shout Factory disc, there's an interview with Richard Thomas, and he talks about that when you're acting and you're trying to be in a spaceship and you're reacting to things that aren't there. He starts. He talks about having to fly through an asteroid field, and you're like, I don't know what that looks like, and all that stuff. So apparently, they shot that. You don't. You don't know how that looks like when you're acting? Well, he doesn't. I mean, obviously I do. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. I mean, mean, yeah. I mean, come on. Who are you talking to? I'm just saying he doesn't know. But, I mean, so he was sort of mentioning that. And so I feel like, oh, well, then maybe that was actually shot. But Mm -hmm. then they just did. Obviously, they had to kind of edit it. And Alan talked about this in the book. But I'm, I'm not sure what happened to that asteroid chase sequence. But... Certainly didn't make it in the movie. Instead, you have instead you have a chase sequence that is just a lot of just a shot of a ship, a shot of a person's face inside the ship, a shot of the ship from the outside, a shot of another ship from the outside, mm-hmm. a shot of the person's <laughs> face inside the ship, then the shot of another ship. You're like, I don't know who's chasing who. I don't know and what's yet, happening. If you read Alan Holzman's book, Celluloid Wars, you'll realize when you get to the end, this is what they had to do. To kind of construct the ending because they didn't get the special effects shots. Yeah. So this oh, is I, I get that. The best they could do there. And I just have to say, just to close this out, uh, the final scene there when they're in the escape pod, Nanelia and Shad. Shad. And Shad is <laughs> and Shad is like I can't believe it. They really did. <laughs> What's the next man? And cowboy. No dot, 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 no comma, no. What about everyone else, Nanelia? She's like, I chose my favorites Mm -hmm. and I don't care about anyone else. Yeah. Well, they were on her team. The other people worked in a different division. Right. So she wasn't familiar with them. She only cared about her team. She only cared about her team. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, of course. Yeah, she played favorites though, guys. All right, I think it is time. For things we love and things we hate. Hey. 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 Hey.
guys talk about the things we love and things we hated about Battle Beyond the Stars. Mark, what did you love? I I honestly loved Richard Thomas and Darlene Flugel. Um, <laughs> really, for that scene where she's asking him about do they do you have kissing on your planet? Sure, and, oh, yeah. and they kiss, and she. Like, it's not overdone, but she's definitely, like, played up, like, I don't know how to kiss. So she just goes in, mouth open. But mm-hmm. it's not, like, it's not, I, I thought it was done really well. Like, she's still you hot, she, is what you're saying. It's still, still hot. hot. I still, I was like, I was like, dude, when can I get in on this? Uh, because she did bring up that, it, like, on her planet, there's three to mate. And I was Yo, like, I'm the third. But, uh, and so, yeah. A little I'm, bit of Nelia in my life. A little bit of Nanelia by my side. A little bit of Examine's all I need. Oh, I'm sorry. Are we not? A little space cowboy. Did you say Examine or Exama? <laughs> a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Um, Just a little bit. No, okay. I, and I th- honestly, and overall, I think both of them did an excellent job. Richard Thomas was really great in his his role. He was believable the whole time as sort of like a little bit of a fish out of water, definitely the intern of the company. Um and yeah, it it, it without having them in a particular him being uh, having such a uh I don't know, being such a strong or being uh, never mind. It was fucking sure. Yeah. <laughs> 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 It was time for a breakdown. It was sure. Oh, are you one of the robots? (laughs) It's an android. Also, the robots were pretty fucking fun to watch. They were great, weren't they? I loved watching them. Yeah. Yeah, they did a really good job. Mm -hmm. So maybe I take take back all that beginning part. The robots thing I loved. (laughs) Shout out to Whitney Rydbeck. He plays the robot with the small glasses. He was actually, he's a mime. And he actually appeared as the spectacled paintballer in Friday the 13th, part six, Jason Lives. Huh, no kidding. Yeah. I had no idea. But he's really great. And actually, yeah, the other guy, so Tom good. Henschel, is not a mime, but he also does a good job. He's the one that walks yeah. in with a gun into like the into force the field or whatever. Yeah. And, and, and does like, a great job. Swings yeah. his arm, like drops. I was like, wow, good yeah. job. And saving, I'm sure Roger was thrilled at the money they saved with the casting mm-hmm. of them. Erica, something. What did what'd you love? Oh, I love so many things. Okay, I've already mentioned the outfits, the wardrobe in this is just fantastic. Anything goes in space. Mm-hmm. You can have leather. It can be sliced open. You can be wearing a kimono. You can be wearing like a button-up shirt. I think a robe. Anything goes. I loved all the different. I I like that there wasn't that it kind of just it really just added to those worlds because you don't really learn a lot about the Valkyrie. No. Valkyrie. No, no, you don't, no. You don't learn any more. There's no world building. You so. learn, you learn like the, the yeah. like a surface amount of where they're from. Yeah. Just enough. Some might say just a, taste. a taste, a taste, a taste, just the first taste is free. That's right. I love that. I love the sounds of the lasers that were coming out of the ship. It was like, pow, 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 pow. Like the green ones were always like, pow, pow, pow. I don't know. I just really found it very pleasing. Yeah. I enjoyed this movie. Mm-hmm. There was a lot about it that I loved. I loved the music in it. Yeah. I thought the music was very effective. I thought the music was way better in this than in Space Raiders. Way <laughs> James, better. James Horner. This is not his first uh, score for New World. 
but it is the one they that Roger Corman used the most. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. he uses it in a lot of things, including Space Raiders. And it has taken me a few viewings of this movie, Battle Beyond the Stars, to suddenly now, I think I can now associate that music with this movie. But I had a hard time in the beginning watching Battle Beyond the Stars since we started with Space Raiders because it made mm. me think of Space Raiders and I would get upset. Oh, I'll be like, oh, Space Raiders. Yeah. But now I can be like, oh, sure, Battle Beyond the Stars. Now I'm thinking Battle Beyond the Stars. But yes, it's a great score. James Horner goes on to, you know, uh, again, work a lot more with Cameron. Mm -hmm. He eventually gets an Academy Award for his score for Titanic. Mm. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, this movie had a lot of good things going for it. Yeah. Yeah. The the makeup is great. I mean, yeah, it is. It really is. K Man Mm -hmm. looks awesome. You know, whether mm-hmm. that's his real green skin or not, debatable, <laughs> but he looked great in it. I don't know. It seemed like Morgan. Seems like what's what he looked like. Yes, but Steve Neal, uh, who worked on God Told Me To, Galaxy of Terror, Forbidden World, and The Stuff, and Rick Stratton, who also worked on Galaxy of Terror and The Stuff, they did the prosthetic makeup for this. Yeah. And they did an awesome job. Yeah. Yeah, it's just fun. There's com- You know, there's comedic moments. I like some of the funny, silly bits. I... It doesn't take itself overly seriously, I don't think, at any point. It's just really enjoyable. I, mm-hmm. I really loved a lot of things about it. The poster's great. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love a good yeah. poster. Um, I, I really, I feel like, you know, there's almost too many, too many things to note without giving away my favorite scenes. But I, I really liked this movie a lot. <laughs> I yeah. really did. Yeah. And in fact, like some of the things I was talking about with the ending plan... In the first couple of viewings, like, I don't really notice it. But as I'm watching it again and, like, writing notes down and really watching it, then you start going, wait, why did he come back to the planet? But the movie is, like, edited so crisply mm-hmm. that you're kind of, like, you don't think about it yeah. at first. Right. Like, the fact that the, that uh, a Nestor is suddenly on the ship. Right. Like, it wasn't until the second viewing that I was like, wait a minute, how did he right. get there? Yeah. But then you're like, I don't care, because yeah, this is matter. cool, so who gives a right. shit? Yeah. So, yeah, that's the thing. Like, yeah, I'm kind of all, I was kind of all in on so much mm-hmm. of it. Like, Yeah, and in the corporate structure, he probably just got, hey, do you have a minute? Mm-hmm. Sure. He got sure. to have like, a minute. Oh, sure. And then, sure. Like, and then 30, 45 minutes into the conversation, he was like, I'm strapped to a table. What? Right. You motherfuckers. Oh, man. You said to yeah. have a minute. Tricked me. Yeah. Corporate takeover. They were like, let's just do a drive-by and see what Nestor yeah. is up to. And they're yeah. like, fuck, here they come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, for me, uh, something I loved, uh, Cowboy's Whiskey Belt. Oh, okay. that I want belt. it. Mm-hmm. I need it. Please, mm-hmm. someone make it. Mm-hmm. How, how do you keep that ice cold? Though? Yes. Thank I, you. I, Where yeah. does the ice come from? You know what? I'm going to leave that to R&D. And I'm going <laughs> to let them work yeah. that out. A Battle Beyond sure. the Stars LLC. Yeah, and, just, and where was he storing that meat when he does share I, hot dogs? I don't know, but I gotta think that that's part of the belt. Is I he also part of the think belt? I, the belt also contains meat. If there isn't a tiny cooler for wow. a couple hot dogs in the back, I, I think that's that. I think that's the awesome. belt is half done. That's awesome. But if you can still supply me with whiskey, Scotch whiskey, mm-hmm. uh, and ice, I don't need the soda water. I don't. I don't need that. He but only if you did want a little spritzer, it, though. Just but if you want spritz. it, if you want to have that in there, that's yeah. fine too. And then a little a hot dog compartment. That's that. I, I need that. Please, mm-hmm. someone make that. We yeah, need it. The belt is awesome. And apparently, not originally in the script. So that was something that they made. Because I guess George Papard actually didn't particularly do a lot of the dialogue that was written for him. He sort of 
did his own, made it, made everything mm. his own. I mm. hope he brought thing. that belt in himself. He's oh, like, God, I, I know so. just the thing. I know. <laughs> All right, let's switch to things we hated. Uh, Mark, what'd you hate about this movie? It's it, it, honestly, it's tough because I didn't really hate anything. Yeah. Uh, this, yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, not to go back to things I love, but like even the special effects, which you can look at in some spots and be like, ooh, that doesn't look so great. Yeah. It still looks pretty good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I yeah. give them at least a lot of credit for really creative special effects. Some of the environments on the planets look, mm-hmm. uh, you know, there it looks like a B movie, but it's very creatively done that it's at least interesting. And you're like, wow, okay. That's, that's a cool, just the setup. The artwork of it is really good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it runs the it runs the gamut. I feel like for like you have some really cool looking shifts and some really cool looking stuff, and then you have like sets that like look like they were like a local theater production. Sure, you know where they were like very minimal, but at the at even at the worst, you're like, well, it still looks like an episode of Buck Rogers or yeah. you know mm-hmm. Battlestar Galactica or something. But like you that. have like, and you have you have some of the ships that are coming and landing on the planets, and it looks they have like the right amount of dust. I mean, like little things like when um, Nanelia is working on the robots and she's putting, of course, it's just like a, a like a flashlight that she's mm-hmm. putting into the wires, sure. but they made sure that smoke came up so mm-hmm. that there was actual look like there was a reaction to what she was working on. Mm-hmm. Like it works. That makes that little thing makes it believable. Mm-hmm. And so I thought that there was a lot of care into, I know we don't have a lot of money, but how do we make the best out of what mm-hmm. we have in, in a way that doesn't always happen in New World movies. Like, yeah. they obviously mm-hmm. put a lot of thought and, and care into this one. Though, when, though they got to put better speakers in the mouths of those robots. Because there's yeah, a I lot. Was like, can, you, a, yeah. can you say that again? I mm. I can't. There's I a just, lot of, I'm hearing a lot you, of tinny. There's a lot of, like. It's a lot of. Yeah, you got to get, yeah. get rid of that a little bit. I want to, like. The the but they were in bad shape. She had to keep fixing them up. So yeah. I felt like yeah. it tracked right. for the state that they were in, like mm-hmm. kind of a broken down, like they still work, but like they're not yeah. top notch. Constantly having to work on them. I think the mid balance could have been up just a little bit yeah, on them, it, though. It was a little. Saying. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I do think that the final battle is a little bit of a letdown because obviously they didn't yeah, get to shoot the way that they wanted it to. Yeah. And so there's it, it lacks tension because mm-hmm. you're not getting a lot of shots of two ships chasing each other mm-hmm. it's a lot of just single shots at different right. angles and right. you're like i don't know what's going on so i don't have a reason to really get worried about the state of the situation um but it still it looks good it just it lacks the tension that you really should have yeah had. right mm-hmm. and as we will discuss as you can listen to our discussion with alan holzman there are well i don't know if we get in too deep into that because it's a great part of his book but we didn't uh, I think we skipped it. Yeah, how he saved the movie there. But but a lot of that came out of the fact that they didn't have the effect shots. And so he was trying to put together something to make the date because they had a date in place to release the movie. So they had to do so. Um, Erica, what is what is something that you or did you hate anything? Gosh, this is really nitpicky. But this this was the only complaint I had. And I remember saying this to you after we watched it was they really take their time when he's gathering up partners and accomplices to kind of create mm-hmm. this army or, you know, this whatever new corporation, the new corporation Hiring takes time. Mm-hmm. I know, but it just was like, okay, come on. This movie isn't that long. So they can't have most of it be gathering up all of these partners to build your army on a cure. Like, let's just get to it. Let's mm-hmm. get to it. Mm-hmm. Like, so that's, that's it. That's it. 
That's yeah. my one beef. Okay. It's it's a small beef, but it was you know it. I just I thought it took too long, and I was like, come on, get to it. Like it, it gets a little like a little too drawn out. So that's that's the one thing I hated. Not much, but okay, that's it. Um, we mentioned this earlier, so here's my one little beef because we talked about the, how the sets generally look pretty good. They still mm-hmm. look all right, but there are moments where the stage that they used. It just simply was not big enough. And Mark mm-hmm. mentioned the scene, and that's the scene where they bring everyone to a cure, and they're like, "Hey, we're all here." And of course, Shad gets angry that they're not all that out there giving them a hero's welcome. And it's like in that scene, it's like, okay, I know Roger Corman spent four million dollars to buy this lumber yard, so he was like, "I'm gonna shoot this all here. We're gonna do yeah. it here, so I don't have to spend money anywhere else because I spent that money on this plus the movie's budget." But I feel like, I mean, could you take one day and maybe shoot some of that outside, even partially and the way yeah. that they were melding mm. in like the re- the real environment with like, you know, maybe obviously the sky might look a little different or whatever, because trying to stuff all of the almost literally almost every single cast member from this movie onto that stage to be like, we're all here in the town. I almost feel like that's why that scene is so short because it's just too many people for that area. It's just mm-hmm. not big enough to accommodate it. And it just also there aren't that many people. Right, right. So you're like, there's 25 people on this planet. That's it. Yeah. And yeah. maybe they felt like they'd have to build like, you know, houses or, you know, whatever, like a home or whatever. And, and, and they didn't want to have to kind of do that outside. But I just maybe blending in some way. I, I just felt like. A couple times you maybe could have used a real environment mm-hmm. to kind of help accentuate, yeah. at least mm-hmm. if you shot partially, just yeah. to kind of blend that in there. Of course, I'm talking like that's just easy peasy, but obviously it's more difficult than I'm saying, but I'm just saying I, I would I would have liked them to do that. But anyway, that was like my one small beef because I don't have a whole lot to say. I it's I like this movie. And on that note, let's go to our favorite scene. Mark, what's your, what was your favorite scene? Uh, definitely the scene that we spent probably way too much time on, and that's the arm scene for... Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I get it. So, Sodor. I am Sodor of the Mount Lori. Sodor, do you mean like Thomas the Tank Engine? Which would be narrated <laughs> yeah. by Ringo Starr, right? From Australia. Right, all the way from Australia. <laughs> mm-hmm. They're two, they're four, they're six, they're eight. Shunting wood and hauling freight. Red and green and brown and blue. They're a really useful crew. <laughs> All with different roles of play. They help oh. each other every day. Oh up the gosh. hills and round the bend. Thomas and his friends. Oh, man. <laughs> Please don't sue oh. us. Um, so, <laughs> I love, too, that he makes the joke because he gets when uh, a nester arm and they only have two giant fingers. And yeah. he looks at his his doctor and he's like if you could we fix this at some point in the future because <laughs> he's got mm-hmm. he's, he and he's holding fingies. he's holding his black glove and being like this will never fit in my glove yeah mm-hmm. uh, and i thought honestly bag. i thought that little joke and it yeah. was he did it john saxon delivers that that's like as straight as possible yeah which makes it even funnier and i i i thought that was fantastic also i love the fact that the doctor just points at his instruments and they do stuff <laughs> yeah, they just like go, yeah, and go. Like yeah. he just points yeah. at them, and they just start yeah. moving. Yeah. Also, um, why does he take his arm off with a chainsaw? 
Like, do they I don't not, know. They don't have any other precision instruments at this point no. in the future? Look, they're also still eating hot dogs. So <laughs> yeah. the future is also, a, is geez, a weird... Grim. It's grim. Ryan, yeah. Ryan, you noob. It's not a chainsaw. It's a bone saw. Come oh, on, you my noob. bad. Sorry. Oh, I am a boy. Uh, beep up, boop up, pretty lady. Nope. Nope. She's not pretty. She's a dead lady. Ugh. <laughs> Silly me. It'll get better. I know her legs are rotting. It'll get better. It'll get okay. better. It'll get better. Nope. 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 It didn't. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't. Nope. Got worse. <laughs> Erica, what was your favorite scene? Oh, easily where they're kind of doing the sitting around by the fire, but the, the campfire fire, quote yeah. unquote mm-hmm. scene. Sure. Yeah. I loved that Just scene. Just cooking weenies over the heat generated from the Kelvins. Right. It was so great. Yeah. It was just funny, and I, I loved it. I, it was just, it was hysterical. It seemed like, do they really have time for this? Seven days. Yeah, but, yeah. You know. right, right, right. Um, Sador's ship is there, yeah. like in the, in the right. sky. Right. And they're just kind of like waiting out for the ground troops to come, but yeah. they're like, so. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Easily my favorite scene. That's Ryan. I loved both of those, so I am just going to stick with a tiny moment, and that's when Cowboy finds out that they can't vacate the planet, and he goes to his whiskey belt, and Luz, who's like mm-hmm. the girl that he's kind of somewhat romancing. You forgot the ice and soda. <laughs> no, no, I didn't. And I was like, yeah, that's pretty great. And <laughs> our daughter who saw, the, we showed this movie to our kids, and she thought that was funny, too. And she barely drinks whiskey. So I thought that was pretty great. <laughs> no. It's always with ice. But, yeah. you know. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. She's yeah. aspiring to do it right. She thought it was yeah. funny because as an 11-year-old, she's like, come on, you don't want ice with that? That's insane, you silly. He drinks you warm stuff. Oh, gross. So that's my favorite scene. Let's get into final questions. Our Woo! final questions for Battle Beyond the Stars. When we got to Dr. Hephaestus's ship, mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. looked huge. Yeah. Yeah. So my question is, how come it only had one hallway? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the lumber yard. <laughs> oh. Maybe it was just like a revolving ship where like you go down the mm, hallway. It's all a circle. And yeah. So it's yeah. yeah. Okay. That makes sense. It just felt the same. For having one hallway, do you really need that uh transport carrier to move you down the hallway? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Seems like that's overkill. I know. Do robots get tired? And they're like, Ugh, I need to take, I know I need to go down to Sector C, but I really, I am beat. So it made I... it seem more like they get away a lot. Like right, the way it went it around his him. neck and yeah. it, it yeah. secured his arms and his neck with these like, you know, not like, chains, but these we got, kind of We like, got a loose one. We got yeah. a loose one. Get so down made there. It seemed like the androids a lot were like, like just running down the hallway. Yeah, they're like, get out. We can get it. We can get free. free. I'm not your stereo anymore, lady. I'm going to be a free citizen. <laughs> That's right. Um, what what fruit does Shad drink out of with a straw? <laughs> I know. Uh, that was not fruit. That was like a futuristic McFlurry. It just had the little top on it. That or was that was... like one of the like, uh, you know, drinks that he took from the massive rave that's happening back on? Uh, that was a sugar water. He's like, it's yeah. sugar water. Yeah. Sugar water. I'm so yeah, like, high. Oh, I'm still drinking it. <laughs> Guys, he's sending them emails. They're like, oh, what a narc. Such a narc. Oh. <laughs> when the Kelvin used their heat powers... To destroy some of the Malmori, mm-hmm. they turn into these tiny fluorescent dots, mm-hmm. and then they disappear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Do I not understand heat? No, they also have glitter power. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. But it's exhausting right. okay. to okay. use it. So they can yeah. glitter like right. two people to death and then, yeah. ugh, need it. Yeah, I just thought, they man, I guess power, I don't understand. They heat and then they're like, carry me. Uppy. <laughs> Uppy. I'm tired I'm now. Tired. Was it surprising that there was no sex in this movie? Yeah. Uh, meaning that you see it or that because there is sex that they 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 talk they talk about it existing in mm-hmm. the galaxy. Yes, no, but there's also the scene when the two aliens are on that uh they're on that one ship and one of the guys is having sex with the girl that was kidnapped from the planet because then she comes up and like self detonates the ship. No, she messes with the controls and then Gelt destroys the ship. Right. Yeah, that's what I mean. But I didn't know that they were having sex with her though. I didn't know. Yeah, because really he comes that. he says, Come up here. He's like, I'm busy. He's like, get up here right now. And he comes in and he zips up the top of his shirt. Oh, by the way, that was um Shad's sister, Maul, who gets kidnapped. And that's played by Julia Duffy mm-hmm. of Newhart and Designing Women fame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who shows yeah. up there for like a split second. And then is never spoken of again. Yeah. You know who gets a lot of moment of sadness? Zed. What about your sister? Who? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Unaware. Well, she wasn't, unaware. She wasn't one of the original one. No. no she wasn't. No. Yeah. No. She was one of the great ones. She was she one, of one of the great okay ones. ones. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Above average ones. Yeah. So, by the way, there was, because uh, looking through uh, Alan Holzman's book, about editing, there is a small chapter where he mentions that he had cut together a sex scene with Cowboy and Lux, like the hmm. Cowboy and Lux sex scene. And so I think there could have been a sex scene in this that isn't that that's gone that gets taken out. I'm just surprised at the restraint that must have taken for Roger Corman to keep out of the movie. Mm-hmm. So okay, so lastly, when you die, what meal do you want to have buried with you? Mm, it's a good question. Ooh. Yeah. I mean, it's a good one. That presumes that I made a deal with someone that I would get a meal. Right. Like yeah. before yeah. I died. Like Yelta. Yeah. 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 Oof. Ooh. Uh, I mean, I guess hot dogs. <laughs> yeah. The food of now and the future. Right. Exactly. It's not going to go bad. It doesn't. Not for yeah. hundreds and thousands <laughs> of years. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, hot yeah, dogs. This, this movie is proving that every time you've looked at a package of hot dogs, you're like, they went bad. You're an idiot. They're fine. They don't. They're fine. They're fine. They're fine. They'd be fine. They're fine. They never yeah. go bad. They need they're moderate fine. refrigeration and they can last until yeah. way Forever. into the future. Yeah. 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 Okay. Erica? Ah, that's a tough question. I don't know. I mean... Sugar water is up there, you know. Um, just some narc. Just some refreshing sugar water. Bury that narc with her sugar water. Yeah. You know, if I think about, you know, a little nod to our Australian friends, a bloom and onion, that would be great. Um, you know, that Australian. The food of Australia. The, yeah, the, the, that Australian traditional that meal. The, that is the food of Australia, sure. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I don't know. I, yeah, I guess at the end of the day, hot dog, you know. Hot dog, blooming onion, some sugar water. Ryan, you? Um, you know, it, to me, this is a trick question because it doesn't matter. Erica is just going to take all my comics and records and movies and she's going to shove them in the coffin and put them in the ground. There's no meal making it in there. 
She's going to take all my stuff and just be like, goodbye. How, how big is that coffin going to be? It's not. It's, it, there's no it's, coffin. It's just it's a just giant a long, hole. It's a long just box. A big, yeah. <laughs> it's a long box of comics, and I'm just stuffed into it. <laughs> she takes a bone saw and just makes me a lot more right. easy Thank to put you. in. Yeah. Look at this yeah. guy. He's learning. Look at him. Yeah. Look at him. All right. Let's get into some research. Woo! Ryan's <laughs> Research Corner. Welcome to Ryan's Research Corner. That was one of the robots. It was. So this was a, a $2 million movie, but it was a split finance movie between New World and Orion, with Orion getting the foreign rights. Mm. Battle opened, in terms of New World history, opened after Humanoids from the Deep and before Something Waits in the Dark, a.k.a. Screamers, the Georgia Peaches, the Private Eyes, and Shogun Assassin. This was New World's 10th year in 1980, and probably its most successful, <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing, but it was pretty big after this this movie, Humanoids, and ending the, the previous year, 1979, with the Tim Conway, Don Knotts comedy, The Prize Fighter, which had had the previous record for the highest grossing New World movie before Battle Beyond the Stars. Mm-hmm. So that was the record keeper then. Fun facts here, as Battle was wrapping up, James Cameron was looking for another job and he met Joe Alvis, Steven Spielberg's production designer and the eventual director of Jaws 3D. At the time, he was working at uh, Escape from New York, and he said, you should come down. And now I'm going to read for a section of Celluloid Wars. There's a section where Alan Holzman talks to Dennis and Robert Skotak, who also made a lot of the miniatures and worked in the special effects. And he said that they were working on a shot with the Malmori disembarking from the spaceship, and they're kind of all getting out of the ship. The camera pans over and you see a sonic tank being lowered down. If you remember the shot. We need to come up with one shot because we can't do six shots to tell the story. So they did a miniature with forced perspective. Our crew guys dressed up as a Malmori. That's when John Carpenter came in. Marianne hooked up John Carpenter with Jim to sort of give a tour of the studio because he was getting ready to make Escape from New York. Jim brought John Carpenter in, had him look through the lens at this ridiculous setup with seven different perspectives all blended together. And on that basis, he said, he decided that we should do Escape from New York because he said, those guys are that crazy to do something like that. Hmm. Hmm. Wow. No so, kidding. Yeah. So that's how they actually, James Cameron actually turned Roger's new studio over to Avco Embassy, who was making Escape wow. from New York, and they did some of the effects on that. Wow. Awesome. I should note, though, that uh, listening to Roger Corman's commentary for this movie, you would think that... The only person who worked on the special effects in this movie was James Cameron. And while I'm sure James Cameron looks very fondly on this movie, I don't think he would probably want all of the blame or glory of all the special effects shots. And so I should just point out that, again, in this book, Robert Skotek points out that Cameron had his own crew and he worked very, very hard, but he was not a supervisor because I think... A lot over the years, it has just sort of been like, oh, yeah, uh, James Cameron did all those effects. Right. He didn't. He did not do all those effects. In fact, I'm going to read a little bit from this sci fi movie magazine I have from 1985. Wow. Yeah. SF Movie Land. This is going to go into your casket, right? Mm hmm. This oh, is yeah. one of the things that's going <laughs> to okay. get buried with right. me. Like, get this shit out of here. <laughs> So this is a little bit of um, where Gail Ann Hurd is talking about James Cameron and their work on it. She said, I was the assistant production manager on Battle and Jim was, at the time, a model builder. 
myself and another of Roger's assistants were instrumental in getting him moved to the position of art director because that's what he did yep. in the movie. He served on the film in this capacity while also working as director of special effects photography. I wanted to get him promoted because he's incredibly creative and very oriented toward problem solving, just as I am. He was capable of moving into a position, taking charge, and getting the job done. Everyone came to Jim when they had a problem on battle, and that's how we ran into each other. I was in charge of the art department, and since he was the art director, we wound up working together around the clock for weeks. Hmm. And then, after battle, Heard went on to two other Corman films, then was given the opportunity to line produce Smokey Bites the Dust. That was a film stitched together, Frankenstein-like, using stunt footage from other Corman films, such as Grand Theft Auto and Eat My Dust. I learned a lot about Corman productions from that one, she says. So, uh, which also, Alan Holzman did second unit on that particular film, too. So that's a little bit about her time at New World as well. And I think a big thing that this movie gives birth to, if you will, in a way, is The Terminator. Speaking of both of these two people and why I have these quotes from SF Movie Land magazine from 1985, because, of course, the article is about the Terminator. So in Galen Hurd's commentary, she says that they actually started talking about making a movie together while they were working on this film. You should direct. I'll produce it. We're going to make a movie together. But you need to get more directing experience and I need to get more producing experience. So as I said, Hurd goes on to produce Smokey Bites the Dust. Cameron does second unit on Galaxy of Terror. And then he goes off to direct his first movie, Piranha 2 The Spawning. And then they come back and they made Terminator. And of course, so many New World people. Mark Goldblatt, who directed Dead Heat, but he edited mm-hmm. and he edited Humanoids. And then he edits Terminator. Bill Paxton, who has a small role in Terminator. He uh, met Hurd because he was a set builder for Battle mm-hmm. Beyond the Stars. Mm-hmm. So that's how they get introduced to Gail and Hurd and James Cameron. And Orion Pictures, who co-produced this movie, they are the ones that financed the Terminator and put it out. Mm. So that is who they sell it to. So this little movie, this little goofy B-movie Star Wars ripoff, but out of that, we also got Terminator. And we have this little enjoyable movie. So all that said, we're through the research. We're on the other side. But as I have mentioned in our previous episode of Curfew, A lot of people on Twitter land and beyond like to say that a movie slaps. And it's not a terminology that I like very much. So on Twitter, I said, how about we have something else that Erica mentioned? Because Erica said, what about if this movie queefs? So I have to ask you guys, (laughs) does Battle Beyond the Stars queef? You know, it. I hate to say it, but it goes beyond a queef. It does? Because I know why I liked it, and I know where it came from. Oh. So. Yeah. Okay, so it's not one of those miracle enjoyment yeah. things like yeah. a queef is. Mark, in your opinion, does this movie queef? Yes, it queefs. It's it's a <laughs> it is a it is a it's a shocking loud queef. Yeah, mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, it's a good one. Yeah, yeah, it's, it definitely queefs. Yeah, this one, yeah. queefs for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's it. Battle Beyond the Stars. Thank you for joining us for Battle Beyond the Stars. We hope you enjoyed this episode. If you did. Give us a five-star review. That would really be helpful. It would really help us out, help people find the show. It really does help. I know you hear that on every podcast you listen to. But they're lying to you. Our, we're not lying. They're lying. We're telling you the truth. You shouldn't yeah. do anything for them. You should only do it for us. Yeah. You can also follow us on Instagram and Twitter and Facebook. Follow us if you're not already doing so. Thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it. And we will see you next time on the New World's Pictures Podcast. Bye, everybody.
So we just finished watching That'll Be on the Stars. What did you guys think? Pretty good. Kind of dumb. I I oh, I like the movie because there's so much action and stuff. And that's why you liked it. Yeah. It, do you get make you guys think a little bit about Star Wars? Nope. No. There's no lightsabers. You're right. That's there's true. no force or anything. But don't don't you think that the cowboy character was he like a little bit like Han Solo kind of to you? <laughs> kinda. No. 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 Why not? Han Han Solo doesn't smoke. Live fast, fight well, and have a beautiful ending.